Hi, my name is Amy Beckley, PhD scientist, founder, and CEO of Prove. Femtech to me is enabling women to have better decisions and better access to healthcare so they can advocate for themselves and feel better. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with the members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash Femtech. Okay, Fem fans, before I intro our guest, I want to tell you that Femtech Focus's virtual community is migrating to a new platform. This new space will enable more interaction, perks, and resources for all its members. The community is ideal for founders, investors, Fem fans and physicians interested in or working in women's health. We have moved our publicly available databases from the Femtech Focus website to this platform. Those are the databases of Femtech startups and exits. We have also launched a jobs board to post and look for work opportunities in Femtech. Last but not least, we have our Femtech Institute, which is a library of video content that is a self-guided accelerator. It's free to join the community and only $15 a month if you want to unlock the big perks of a FemPro member. Join the community by going to femtechfocus.org. Alrighty, Fem fans, in today's episode, I interview Dr. Amy Beckley, founder and CEO of Prove. Prove is an at-home test and app to monitor hormone levels and predict fertile windows and ovulation quality. Prove was invented by Dr. Amy Beckley after three years of infertility and seven miscarriages. Amy applied her own science expertise to uncover a luteal phase deficiency, also known as a problem with ovulation quality. With help from her doctor and a simple supplement, Amy was able to get pregnant with her daughter. She's now on a mission to support other women trying to get pregnant. Proves confirmed PDG test strips were clinically validated and are registered with the FDA and received FDA clearance in March of 2020. Their tests are the first and only FDA-cleared FDG tests to confirm successful ovulation at home. Prove's corresponding app tells you exactly when to test and provides a monthly ovulation score. Just upload a picture of the P-strip test to get numerical results in minutes about your hormone levels. I've truly enjoyed watching Prove grow as a company from an idea to Series A funded, with sales starting to go international. They have a lineup of strong intellectual property of their tests and some incredible investors supporting them. Get 20% off your Prove purchase at ProofTest.com with promo code FEMTECH. Enjoy the episode. Do you remember when we first met? Yes. It was like two, four, three, four years ago. In so Austin. long ago. <laughs> so long ago. Austin, Texas, fund conference. 
I actually had my own booth for Faramore. I was still founder of Faramore, which is crazy. My DNA-based dating app. And I decided to leave my table, walk around, see other techs, see other tables. And I saw Prove. And I was like, this is so fascinating. What are you doing? And you're like, well, we're scientists and we're using real science to help women's health. And I was just like, this is awesome. And now fast forward, you're totally birthing it, like amazing funding, patents, sales, like partnerships. And I, I just always think, and I tell people all the time, I knew them when they were on a small little cocktail table with a, you know, like in Austin, no one knew what the heck they were doing. <laughs> you remember that? I do. I do. And I, I mean, I don't know how many founders you guys have that listen to this, but that fund conference was the worst um, because the whole business model was totally wrong. They charged founders money to have a table to present to investors or whoever, whatever, which is totally wrong. Like after that event, we were like, we're not paying for the opportunity to meet people. Like we're worth more than that. There's no reason why we have to pay. I mean, it was like $6,000. It was a lot of money. And you, you know, you saw it. Most people were in the talks. They weren't like walking around the tables or anything. It was like dead. Yeah. 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 So I made it my new year's resolution after that meeting to not do that anymore. If it was an opportunity to go see if I had to pay money to present and I'm not doing it. If you are a conference organizer or thinking about organizing a conference, and I do see this an issue in women's health, they are charging founders the same price they're charging service providers and investors. And it's just, it's just not right. It's not fair. Founders should come for free. Or if you want to guarantee their admission, 40 bucks or something, you know, like something like that. Absolutely. I mean, if you get, if, if a founder has no money, they are struggling to even get by and you're going to charge them $600. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to come. And so the investors are going to miss out on the opportunity to see a really amazing founder and company because they couldn't afford to attend. So it's in the best interest for the people that are organizing these conferences to let the founders in for free and make the investors pay for the opportunity to see a curated. Because we'll come, we'll pay again next year, right? Like the investors will pay again next year to see the founders if they met them. I was also thinking, Amy, you know, it costs so much to travel. I was thinking about there should be a femtech conference where we actually even like have um, like travel packages where you can get like a really big Airbnb with like 15 other founders though, you know, and you like all split that cost. And even the like Uber, I have so many um, Uber and Lyft charges to going to the conference, the Airbnbs, because I can't afford the hotel. So it's like, what if we like carpooled? And so I think there's a lot of innovation that could happen in conferences, especially now that we're like kind of in person, kind of not, but it's founders first, y'all. It really is. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Amy, let's talk about you. Tell us about, you know, where you're from, what did you study, you know, and how did you end up being the founder CEO of Proof? Well, I'm a scientist. I have a PhD in pharmacology. Um, I started off my career thinking I was going to be a doctor. Uh, first time I volunteered in the ER and saw firsthand what that was all about <laughs> and about passed out, quickly <laughs> changed career paths. Um, but I always wanted to help people. Um, I survived a, br- a brain tumor when I was 16 wow. and having really amazing doctors and scientists go, oh, that woman is having, or that 
girl, that teenager, girl, yeah, is having, um, like she's she's just nauseous and passing out because of her headaches, her migraines. Let's just see if there's something else there, and having that kind of like forward sight to get additional testing, even if it was you know let's just rule it out. Let's just go get an MRI and like seeing that massive brain tumor that's cutting off circulation. I was like, holy moly, we need more impactful people in this world that are actually going to make a difference. Like if we just brush people off and say, oh, you know, you just have headaches or, oh, just this or just that, you're going to miss these really important things. So let's be proactive and let's create solutions to move people forward. And so I always knew I wanted to do something in healthcare, something to do, something to help. Um, so I have a PhD in pharmacology. Um, I studied um uh, cancer signaling. We did um, breast cancer. What you know, what causes a cell to metastasize to the breast? Um, I did stress signaling. So what happens if we're under too much stress? You know what causes like diabetes and obesity and all that stuff. And I'm just really fascinated. And I saw all this amazing research being done at uni universities about all this really cool science. And it wasn't until um, I got married and was doing a postdoc that my husband and I had the un unpleasant experience of infertility and recurrent miscarriage. And I got kind of shoved into the, well, you're unexplained and fertile. We have no idea what's going on with you. We, you know, the only, the, the best chance you're going to have at conceiving is to do this really expensive procedure. Um, you're going to miss a lot of work. You know, it's going to be really expensive. You have to take all these crazy drugs um, but I always knew in my heart that there was something else, right? You can't tell a scientist that you have unexplained anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like bring it on. Right, 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 right. So, you know, after after my journey, um, you know, through IVF, I do have an 11 year old who is an IVF miracle. Um, you know, when I set out to have my second child, I'm like, I'm gonna figure this out. So I sat there in my doctor's office, and we had conversations, MD to PhD okay, what could it be? What's this? What's that? How about this? How about that? And we just like, just went through them and went through them. Um, and it really went on this whole idea of hormones. So I have this beautiful uterus in the background because Love people it. don't understand the ovulation is not about releasing the egg and timing intercourse. I mean, yes, that's part of it. But the other part is how do you prepare a uterus to receive the embryo and support that pregnancy? Yeah. And so what they were missing was that my body was ovulating, it's producing eggs, but that the uterine environment was not receptive. It was not um, perfectly aligned to nourish that embryo. And so I would, you know, get a very weak, poor implantation, get a positive pregnancy test, get all excited, yeah. you know, just to lose it a few days yeah. later or a couple of weeks later. Yeah. Which was very devastating. And it was so frustrating to be like, call your doctor oh my gosh, like I got a positive pregnancy. This is so amazing. Can you come, can you see me? Can you see me? And they're like, well, you know, we don't see you till you're eight weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like, too, like, <laughs> like you're missing this whole section of pregnancy. Right. Um, and so, you know, I would call a week later and be like, well, I just lost a pregnancy. Can you do any testing? And they're like, well, you know, you're only 29. You've only had two. It just happens. Yeah. I was like, what in the world? Yeah. <laughs> this is so yeah. broken right now <laughs> all of this kind of it sounds like a lot of dismissal and you know we love doctors we have mds on all the time we we love 
you know, doctors that are, are doing it's really not doctors. It's, no. it's the healthcare. It's the, it's the, yeah, the that's guidelines that they have to go by. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Because it's, what do you think in terms of fertility? Like what the heck are, what's happening there? Yeah. I mean, fertility is not a disease. It's not a condition. It's not covered by insurance. And so it's like a elective procedure. Okay. And I mean, like I've been saying this for, for not years, but a while, <laughs> um, you know, population is declining. We are, you know, unable to reproduce because it's either a too expensive, it's too hard, or we don't have a good enough, um, health insurance or good enough, uh, job or, or position in life to support, you know, growing a family. And if you can't reproduce and like, you know, it, the, your society is going to go in the toilet because you can't have people to replace the, the people. Um, but I mean, fertility is, is, is elective. It's elective, which is first of all, ridiculous. Um, and you have to, you know, the def clinical definition of infertility is trying 12 or more months or six or more months at, uh, above, you know, 35, which, you know, we are women, we are very smart, educated women, and we know when there's something wrong yeah. and we know when there's something doesn't feel right. And to go to the doctor and to be not dismissed, but I mean, kind of dismissed, but to be told, you know what, you're not clinically infertile. We cannot give you that referral. It's not that I'm the doctor. I don't want to help you. It's that I physically can't give you that referral referral because your insurance company won't do it or because the lines at the IVF clinic are so long that they are taking the ones that have been trying three and four years and you've only been trying one year. So you're at the back of the line. And so, you know, how do you have better conversations? How do you empower doctors with better resources? It's not that they're bad, they're bad doctors at all. Like we love doctors. We want to have better conversations. It's about, you know, creating tools like prove to say, you know what, instead of, you know, not being able to do anything and being confined to this little box that, that, you know, insurance companies put you into, here's this tool that you can do. You can do this today. It doesn't matter if this woman has been trying zero days or 180 days or 500 days. She can take this test and you can get this information and you can move her forward. Oh, empowering. So what happened in the second time you were trying to get pregnant? What, what manifested into proof? I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of IVF. So and for the readers that have never gone through IVF or don't know what it is, you basically stimulate your ovary to make a whole bunch of eggs. And then when they're mature, instead of ovulating your own to get fertilized, they take them all out and then they fertilize them in a dish and then they implant them later. Um, and so when they take them out and fertilize them, then after that, they give you a medication called progesterone, which supports the lining of the uterus so that when they do transfer that embryo back in, it is optimal and you can carry a pregnancy. So progesterone is the progestational hormone, progesterone. You absolutely need progesterone to support a healthy pregnancy. Like hundred percent, absolutely hands down is required. <laughs> I did not think about the name progesterone and pro gestation. Yeah. Like, you just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> like, oh my God. Why did I not see that? It was Drop like in the science bombs. <laughs> Amy from uh, 28 days. Why did she call her company 28 days? She's like, we have telehealth birth control. And I was like, yep, just tat, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you uh, you said something really interesting. I'd love to back up for a hot second. So you said that um they mature the eggs and then they collect them. So is there a process happening in the ovaries before the eggs come out into the fallopian tube? Yeah. So so the ovary is where follicles develop, um, and you stimulate them, and so they they make estrogen and then they eventually will make LH and they will mature that egg and that follicle and the follicle will rupture and that causes ovulation. Okay. Got it. Got it. So there is some, there's some prep even before. And so, all right. So now we're at the progesterone stage. So before you get your embryo implanted back in, you've got to get on progestation, progesterone, right? And what does progesterone do to the uterus? Um, it makes it receptive. So it makes it sticky to that embryo and then it nourishes it so that it can, um, support pregnancy. Okay. I mean, think of it as like a, like a peanut butter sandwich, right? You want to make it real sticky and it wants to stick in there and not like get flushed away. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of like a slipper slide at the, the park, well, but a Velcro in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Velcro. That's exactly right. It's like Velcro. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, if you don't have enough progesterone, you, your embryo won't stick, you won't be able to maintain a pregnancy. Um, and so in a normal menstrual cycle, you get progesterone that goes up. If your body doesn't see a pregnancy, the progesterone goes down that causes the breakdown of the lining and your period. So it's that drop in progesterone that causes your period, your menstruation and your next cycle to start. Yep. Which is not what you want if you're trying to get pregnant. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically, you know, progesterone is a part of every single IVF cycle. Like I don't know a single clinic that will not give progesterone after retrieval. It's like written in the protocol. You must give progesterone. (laughs) Like it's it's, it's right. So having these conversations, I'm like, well, you know, if I keep losing pregnancies, could I just be low on progesterone? And my theory was that, you know, you have you, so you have the egg and it goes out of the ovary and it gets fertilized. And then it goes to the uterus for implantation. That entire journey takes seven to 10 days. And so your ovary has to produce enough progesterone for at least 10 days Because if it stops making progesterone too soon, your entire uterine environment will just come crashing down and you'll get your period. And by the time that fertilized egg gets there, it's like, uh uh-oh, the bus is left. Exactly. So you can have a perfectly healthy fertilized embryo and it finally finally gets to the uterus and it's like game over, Mm. right? And so it's not something that people have really been talking about. And so they've tested my progesterone with the blood draw and it was always seven days after ovulation. That's like the clinical standard to confirm you actually ovulated. And I did, I had progesterone. I was ovulating. I was getting pregnant. But the the issue was, in my theory, is that my progesterone was just tanking. And by the time the embryo got to the uterus, that uterus was already starting to shed and slough off. And that's why I was losing pregnancies. So I said to my doctor, can I just have progesterone? He's like, well, you know, we don't know if it's, if it's able to, to help women in natural cycles, but it's not going to hurt anything. Let's just go ahead. Sure enough, within two cycles, I'm pregnant. I stayed pregnant. I stayed on progesterone until I was 19 weeks pregnant. Uh, she is now eight years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why do you think this hasn't been like obvious? <laughs> like it seems we talk about some complicated stuff on here. This seems pretty basic, you know? <laughs> like, so why, yeah. what, why is this so novel now? 
Um, I think it's because nobody's done the studies to show that progesterone helps natural cycles mm. because the people that are funding this research are the pharmaceutical companies that are making IVF medications. And so if you look up all these studies about progesterone, it's all in the context of it helps a frozen embryo transfer. It helps a IVF cycle. And so there's not really much research on a natural cycle because no one will fund it. I mean, I've tried to apply for NIH grants and they're like, progesterone, that's old science. We're not going to fund this. Get out of here. Wow. Wow. So it's not even just the capitalistic, you know, pharma. It's also the government undervaluing this. Um, isn't progesterone in birth control too? Yeah. So that's a synthetic progesterone. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so basically progesterone does a few things. Um, the first one is that it stabilizes the uterine lining. Um, the second one is that it makes it sticky for the embryo. Um, and the third thing is that it causes it to the uterus to relax and not contract. And that helps with implantation. Hmm. Um, and so when you give a synthetic progesterone, um, it doesn't really make it sticky for the embryo. It stabilizes the, 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 um, uterine environment. It doesn't, it doesn't help upregulate the, sorry, I'm going to get really sciencey nerdy. Yeah, get sciencey. Um, so <laughs> sorry if this is like over people's heads, but progesterones, uh, are their steroid hormones. And what that does is that when the cell sees it, it goes into the nucleus, the brain power of the cell, and it upregulates certain genes and proteins that express on the surface that are receptors that will help the embryo bind. Yeah. And so progesterone can do that because it has that full signaling capacity. Synthetic progesterones only have part of it. And so it can sit on the surface of that progesterone receptor, but it doesn't signal in here to upregulate those genes that allow for implantation. So it's like the the synthetic kind of sits on the outside pretending like, oh, hey, yeah, all this like fertile stuff just happened inside my cell. Like, yes. believe me, we're pregnant, but actually the inside of the cell is like, no, nah, we didn't, we didn't turn on that system yet. Exactly, exactly. And you know, these synthetic birth controls, the reason that there's like a lot of side effects with women um, is because people, women think that they're, oh, these are, you know, they're hormonal birth control. It's, it's hormones. I'm just, I'm replacing it. So I don't really need to actually ovulate because I have these hormones that I'm putting in here, but they're not the same. They don't activate the not same. Not the same way. at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, ovulation is so much more than just needing to get pregnant and to carry a pregnancy. Ovulation is important for brain function. It is important for cardiovascular health. Um, lung capacity, bone health. I mean, it's huge. This is huge. I mean, the more and more I do this podcast, we're almost coming up on two years now. I'm like, Britt, you need to have a period <laughs> because I've been on a birth control that lets me skip my period for like almost probably five years now. And I personally have loved it because it's been very stable for me, but I actually feel um, like more stable in my life than I ever have. And so I'm, I'm just getting more and more like little tidbits about like, it's bigger than just not having a period. Like there's like what you just said. I mean, science speaks to me and speaks to my heart, you know? <laughs> when, uh, so I don't know. You, you got me thinking over here. Um, so now that we know the magnificent work that progesterone does, um, what is, what is prove and how did, how is this all connected? 
Uh, yeah, so PROVE is a at-home test that measures the metabolites of progesterone in your urine over that seven to 10 day implantation window so that we can assess, was your progesterone high enough, long enough in that critical period for you to have the highest chance at successful pregnancy? Um, and so the studies have shown that women with low levels during this period, um, they lose pregnancies almost 90% of the time. <laughs> and the ones that have the high levels, they only lose pregnancies, you know, less than 20% of the time or 15% of the time. And so it's a simple screening tool where it's like, if you have low levels, you might have be risk for not getting pregnant, not staying pregnant. Um, and so you take that information, your doctor, you know, we call it ovulation quality. So it's, it's not, you know, did you produce an egg? Yep, yep. <laughs> it's, did you produce an egg? And is your uterus most set up for conception, right? Yeah. So it's about increasing your chances of success um, because it is a huge risk factor. I mean, five times higher chance of pregnancy when you have high levels. Wow. Yeah, that's significant. And I mean, miscarriage is just, you're talking about how you got positive tests and you start to make things think it's horrible. Um, why are, aren't there at, at home fertility tests though? Why haven't they been measuring progesterone or have they? Um, so, you know, the, the past, I would say five years, the new thing in the fertility field is these, um, ovarian reserve tests that tell you how many eggs you have left. Right. So you can do things like prolactin and T TSH and, you know, all these things. And these, these are like your baseline hormones. So at the beginning of your cycle, you can measure to say, okay, does your ovary have the best chance at ovulating this cycle? <laughs> but they're all predictive. So it's like, yes or no. And so that's really all we had. And, you know, sometimes high, you know, high prolactin level can cause you to not ovulate high LH levels, you know, like PCOS, high ratios of LH to FSH can cause you to not ovulate. Does it always? No. Is it tell you that you're not ovulating? No, just as you might not be. And so instead of guessing and being like, well, my CD3 blood work said I had high prolactin, so I'm not ovulating. We're like, let's just make sure she's actually ovulating and she has the highest chance. You know, she's got a good ovulation score, right? So we score ovulation. It's not yes or no. It's zero to a hundred. We, we love do. data. We love data. <laughs> <laughs> we do because it's not, you know, it's not yes, no, egg, no, you know, it, it's how well, right? And so a lot of people coming in with like fifties and sixties, they're dropping the eggs, but they're still infertile. And so what can we do better? We can do diet changes. We can do lifestyle changes. We can recommend supplements, personalized supplements. We can have, you know, direct you to a doctor. We can tell you what to tell your doctor to get put on different medications, different prescriptions. Um, but without that critical knowledge and how to have that start that conversation, you can't, right? Yeah. It's just, I'm infertile. I'm unexplained. Oh well, no, it's, and so what does the proof test look like? Like what walk us through, if I was a customer, what would my experience look like? Yeah. So we have, um, so we used to just be PDG testing, which is progesterone metabolite testing. We now test four different hormones. So we do FSH for ovarian reserve. We do E1G and LH for fertile window tracking. And then we do PDG for the ovulation confirmation. Um, and so we built a, a platform. It's an app. It's called the Prove Insight app. And it is your one-stop shop. 
right? And so you go on the website, you order whatever kit that you need, you download the app and the app will guide you when to test. It'll read the results. It'll give you numeric hormone measures and it'll tell you what those, those hormones mean. Are you in range? Are you out of range? Are we looking for this? Are we looking for that? Congratulations, you're in a referral window. Congratulations, you confirmed ovulation. All this stuff. So we, we walk you through the protocol. We collect up to 45 unique hormone measures across the cycle. Wow. And then at the end, we do an end of cycle report where we give you these, these scores. We go, your ovulation quality was a 70. This means you ovulated and you might be a little bit low on PDG. These are things you can do to support yourself. So here's some, some suggestions for feeding your hormones. So just really natural, organic, clean foods, you know, at different parts of your cycle. So at the beginning of the cycle, you want to support estrogen. So you eat estrogen friendly foods. And then in the latter half of the cycle, you want to support progesterone. So you eat progesterone friendly foods. And we walk you through, we give you day to day. Here's what you're going to eat today. Here's some suggestions. Lifestyle. Simple things like don't run marathons on your period if you can avoid it. I mean, when your estrogen is high, you're most creative. You're most able to lift heavy weights. You feel the best. This is a time to have those business meetings, um, to, you know, to run the marathon now, <laughs> those kind of things. Um, and then supplements. So, you know, over-the-counter supplements, herbal supplements that can support the natural hormone levels. Um, we do hormone balances, so ratios between estrogen and progesterone, understand if you're estrogen dominant, um, LH to, to FSH to understand if you are predisposed or at risk of PCOS or some type of other kind of condition, hormonal condition. Um, and then you can connect right in our app, your app platform with a physician that can review the results. Wow. Um, and so you just want to create this telehealth too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a full full scale solution set where, you know, typically what women are exposed to are these open source platforms that measure hormones. Yeah. Like, here's your hormones. And you're like, I don't really know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so we not only measure, but we analyze, we give you exactly what does this mean? We give you the scores, the analysis, and then we give you the, the improvements. <laughs> so how do you kind of, you know, maintain balance? How do you get back into balance? How do you move yourself forward? Yeah. Cause I mean, women aren't looking for, I want to know what my hormones are telling me. They want to know what do I do from here? Yeah. And so okay. we really want nice, to Yeah. The clue, the closed loop of identify, analyze, fix. Yeah. And, and so if it's the urine test, women are peeing on something, how does the app quantify it? Is it, you take a picture of it? Is it Bluetooth enabled? How does that work? Yeah, we work really hard to not require an external device. I mean, that was just a really, really hard thing for people to grasp. I mean, just financially, emotionally to have a device because you're like, oh, now I'm infertile for a while because I have this device. Um, and so we use a little piece of paper. <laughs> like here you go pee on this little strip stick it right here in this box and then we have machine learning and ai and back-end algorithms that you just take a picture with your camera it finds it it um, quantitates it and you get your results i mean we wanted to make it afford we are the most affordable system out there i mean we measure four hormones across the entire cycle to tell you not only ovarian reserve but fertile window and ovulation quality and all this other stuff and all this other stuff. It's only 59 bucks. 
<laughs> and I knew you were onto something at fund conference <laughs> when I met you, I was like, this seems so, and that's, those are my favorite, like femtech companies is that it's really basic. It's like, yep, this is what we do. Right. Um, how, you know, you guys have been in the market for a little bit now. Do you have successful pregnancies? Have people, you know, how many women have used it? If you can share that kind of stuff. Over 90,000. <gasps> have used it or gotten pregnant? have used it. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know what the number of pregnancies are because honestly, I, you know, it's a, we just launched this app very, very recently. And so before that it was, here's your test strip and she's in her bathroom and she just literally has to email us to tell us what the results are. I'm not like spying on everyone's bathroom. Right. (laughs) Um, and so we're at the point now where at least it's digitized, but being a female scientist, and really wanting to move people forward, we don't go into people's data unless they give us permission and we pay them for it. That is huge for us because we are collecting this data and we do IRB studies to show what hormone patterns are this and that. And we have all these clinical studies going on right now, but we will not touch a woman's data unless she tells us that we are able to, and we have paid her first. I love that. Was that something you thought of when you first started the company or did it come up over time? No, hundred percent. That's always been, I mean, like the, um, it, it's crazy how many women get duped into giving their data away. And I'm, I don't want to name names, but very, very big companies are like, Oh, please, you know, help us with research. Just push this button and you can help us move women forward. I'm like, no, you just created value for that company by giving away your data that you just paid for. You paid them <laughs> to get your data. That's yeah. not right. And How so, do investors react? Because you've raised a good amount of money. Um, you know, investors are investors. Um, I, I, I feel like the hardest ones are the females because females are harder on, on, our, on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've always kind of been you know, like you just got to talk to a lot of people, right? It's just like dating. You got to date a lot of people. You got to shop it around to find the perfect match. The same thing with investors. Um, but you know, a good one when they support you and they see the vision, you know, it's usually something along the lines of, I have a daughter that did this, or my wife went through this, or I'm a mother of twins or what I've gone through this myself. So that's usually kind of what we get because they kind of understand the market and they know where we're coming from. Um, but women are the hardest. I mean, as a, as a new founder, we approached funds two years ago and they were like, this is great. We don't know if it's going to work or not. Come back and talk to us. Wow. We did. We just filed it away. And then we got it to work and we came back to them like, Hey, you remember us? They're like, Oh, sweet. Now we'll invest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, actually, can you speak on that more? Because you're working in the fertility space, which some may say, I always quote it as quote unquote saturated, because obviously it's not fixed yet. But there are a lot of people trying and working in the space. We've had a lot of fertility episodes. What was your reaction? Not your reaction, excuse me, their reaction when you say, oh, I'm an at home fertility test where you blown off is like, oh, my God, that's a solved thing. Or, oh, there's so many people like, how did you get past that? Um, so interestingly, the hardest part for us was that people thought we were just the same. We were like, you know, another ovulation test Yeah. and they weren't having it. We were like, I don't know. I'm just, whatever that's, and, and it took a while. 
Yeah. yeah it took a while to, uh, for them to understand how it was different. And then, then they're like, oh, I see how you're different. But now I don't know if women are actually going to use that. That's a lot of education. That's a really hard lift. I'm not sure I want to put my money into that, that bucket. And so then it was like, okay, prove it's an actual market. <laughs> so, you, you know, you always have challenges um, and it's, it's hard. Absolutely. It's hard. Um, but, and, you know, and sometimes it's easier for people to do what they already know. So for example, um, you know, there's a Canadian company. Again, I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to name names, but there's a Canadian company that decided that it was going to make a, a better looking pregnancy test, an ovulation test. And so they put these same technology in a different box and it's like beautiful and it's marketed toward the Canadian consumer. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a really great creative director and marketing team behind this, but there's no innovation. There's, yeah. there's, there's not, it's not an innovative product and they got a lot of money. They got money like thrown at them because it's so beautiful. And it's because investors are like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. And you just made it better. Okay. I can get behind that. But when you sit there and you tell them a whole new scientific concept and it's something that they're not familiar with because investors also, you know, thankfully there are now coming exits, but they were just, they didn't know what this whole, you know, this whole thing was about. Like Femtech is really, really new mm -hmm. and we don't know who's going to be able to exit. We don't know what the valuations are. And so investors, uh, number one, want a return. And if there's no metrics and there's no like, oh my God, what's the return? How long, like, cause there's just, there's nothing out there. It's very scary. Yeah. And that's why Femtech Focus, we are dedicated to creating databases and publishing reports. Cause I even knew like as an investor three years ago in Texas, like I can't start a venture fund in women's health. There's no data, right? Everyone's asking me, what, is there even a market? Has anyone ever exited? How many companies are there? And if I can't Googled it and easily find the answer, which, you know, by the way, there was no answers. No one knew. Um, and now luckily we have databases and quantification of that. But um, yeah, this is, uh, you, this is literally a real life example of why I've started Femtech Focus. Yeah. So you have patents. Um, tell us a little bit about patents because I have some mixed bag opinions personally about sometimes I think it's investors that are just pushing it and like, it's really not worth the money, time, effort. But then there's other times where it's like the whole company's based on it, you know? And so I've just seen you on LinkedIn post some things about patents. So I'd just love to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, so patents, I don't know. I don't have the right answer. Um, just to preface it that way. Um, but for us, they were essential um, because we created a new space. We were the first company to come out and be like, hey, you can measure progesterone in urine via this metabolite. And it's so easy. Here's this urine test. No one else right? had that before? No, no, we were we were the first, like there was nobody before us. Like I, I did this in 2017. That's how long I've been doing this. We invented an entire category wow. about this and we patented everything we possibly can so we have patents on the actual device itself we have patents on using our device with an ovulation test and what information we have method patents on the seven to ten day window because that's the most critical stage that you want pdg to be elevated 
so we have patents on like the ability to measure multiple hormones on one urine strip, right? So there's just all these different aspects about it. And that's really, really important because we didn't just rebrand something. We had to create a category. And so, you know, and it's kind of like a love hate, like we're like, we're right now in the stage where we're battling this because my entire mission of this company is to help as many couples get pregnant, help as many women through hormonal issues as possible. That's literally why I did this. Um, but it was a huge category we had to educate on. And so we needed a lot of resources. We had to, we had to raise money. And the only way you're going to raise money is if you have protection, right? Because you're, you, you're educated, you're creating a category. So we had to have patents to raise money. Um, and so now we have all these critical patents in the space and we're coming up on five years of the technology. And good news, bad news is now it's a market. And so now there's all these companies going, oh, this is a market. I want to come in. I want to grab some market share too, because what Prove taught me was it is really important. There's all this you know, amazing things that you can measure with this. And so we are finding ourselves in this battle where it's like, we have patents, we have to enforce them because our investors tell us we have to enforce them. And we raise money literally to pay lawyers, which is crazy, you know, but it's like, mm-hmm. like in one aspect, I love that people understand what confirming ovulation is and progesterone monitoring and PDG. Like, I love that that's becoming a, a name, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to let them copy us and yeah. steal the IP that we built. Um, and so, you know, like there's so much to be done in the women's health space. Why you got to steal someone else's stuff? (laughs) Come on, you guys, we are here for the same goal. Like (laughs) (laughs) get creative y'all. I know. I'm like, I have a list of shit we have to do (laughs) still, you guys, can I give you one of these ideas and you go with it? But it's like, we've, we've created a market, we've educated, we've empowered. And then now people are like, oh, well, they already created that. So I'm going to just jump in with a better version of that, which is basically what they did with pregnancy tests and ovulation tests. And so it's like, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. Um, how, uh, for investors <laughs> listening, how would you recommend they figure out if a, a fertility company that sent them their pitch deck is truly an innovative one or kind of a, hey, we took pieces from different stuff and made it, put it into this thing? Um, ask about their patent portfolio. Um, ask them if they've ever gotten a cease and desist letter. Um, if they've ever had anybody emailed them about their technology, um, because that, that's basically what we have to do is, you know, we have to send people letters that are like, Hey, have, did you read our patent? Because you're infringing on it. Like, yep. <laughs> um, and look at the timelines. Right. So if this company just came out in 2000 and this other company has been around it since 2016, pretty sure it's not new, yeah. <laughs> but they're borrowing someone else's IP. Got it. Got it. This has been so awesome. Again, I've just been following your journey and like rooting and 
I am, I'm, I love, um, watching founders succeed over time. And there's a little piece of me that hopes they'll take care of me when they're big. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I hope I gave them some advice a long time ago that they remember. Um, and you are definitely one of my like rising stars in my mind of like, oh yeah, I remember them when they were just, you know, just, you were just measuring progesterone, I think. And it was, you know, it was so great. So I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing. When I saw you close your series A, which is one of the hardest rounds to close, I was like, I got to get her on the show. Um, But we have two last questions that our listeners really love. So the first one is if someone wanted to start a femtech company that wasn't infringing on Prove's patents, (laughs) what would you suggest they work on? Um, I'm going to go with puberty. I have an eight-year-old daughter and... She, I know this is going to be a huge issue. Um, I have a personal issue with putting her on hormonal birth control. Um, and so solutions for that, that puberty transition, I think it's really cool to see these like period panties. I mean, that's the first thing I'm going to buy her because you never know when your cycle is going to start when you're a teenager and you have something that catches it all. Um, so really speaking to the, um, the puberty um, that space. I mean, she, she, hopefully she will never listen to this. So she'll probably kill me. She's just the worst BO and she's eight years old. And so it's like, you don't think of these things when they're that young, that it's actually puberty. And so having a space and a product and, and kind of inclusive, um, for them, that, that that's my, I mean, maybe I'm a little selfish cause I'm not going to go into puberty, but I will be dealing with somebody who will be. <laughs> But it's such a, if you, if you're a woman who's gone through puberty, it's a sensitive time. Oh, like, God. you know, and you know what's crazy is women that are going through menopause at the same time, their daughters are going through puberty. Like, think about that. Like that was a realization that we're like, oh shit. That's, oh man. God bless everyone else in the household that yeah. <laughs> with this happening at the same time. And that's why there was man caves invented. <laughs> <laughs> Um, our last question is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? We need exits, honestly. Um, we need successful companies to exit. We need big companies to lean into women's health, femtech as, as a thing. Um, we need to be open to new innovations. Um, a lot of times we get, oh, well, you know, why should I change this or do that or whatever? And it's like, do you see all these women that I've helped get pregnant? Do we see all this data? Do you see all these Amazon reviews of like awesome women, like praising about this? Why, like what else is there? Like, why can't you just accept it? Right. So, you know, accepting new technology, embracing it. Um, that's, that's a huge, huge need. Love it. What is your exit plan? Do you think you'll be uh, acquired or are you going to IPO or do you know yet? Um, any predictions? I would love to be acquired. Um, I really want to make this a solution that's available for everyone, um, as fast as possible. And I think the path of least resistance, the path of of fastest growth is to be acquired. Um, you know, we're talking to all kinds of people and there's so many different possibilities that this could this, that this prove that this brand can live, um, you know, and one of the silver linings of COVID, which there's not many, 
um, is that we've embraced at-home diagnostics. We've embraced virtual healthcare. Um, they're they're seeing you know femtech, women's healthcare as a big business, and they're trying to find ways to to make it easy for women to get solutions and not have to come into doctor's offices. So there's a huge opportunity to do some really, really good stuff. And so that's my personal preference. Amy, you are amazing. I am so inspired, so happy for you and cannot wait to see how big your exit is. Cause I think it's only a matter of time. You are putting all the pieces together. You are the incarnation of what I always preach, which is more PhDs need to be founders and investors, because if you have more PhDs as founders and investors, you get more real science out there. You get, you know, um, real innovation. And I, I just, that, that's, that's another innovation. So that's another soapbox that I will get on for just a minute, <laughs> just a minute. Yep. Investors will not fund a PhD scientist. It will not happen. I, I will promise you, if you are a PhD scientist founder and you have an amazing idea, unless you know Elon Musk or one of his cronies, you will not get funding. <laughs> unless you know someone already, you need somebody in business. And there's a really, really good important reason why is because if you have a perfect product and you have a, this amazing technology, unless you know how to market it and get it in the right hands and talk about it correctly, package it, whatever, whatever, you will not get funding. And so I did this in my basement for a year. I showed that the product worked. It was not a venture company. It wasn't until I met Ellen, my co-founder, who gave it a name and a brand and it could communicate. And we could offer you know, this, this platform and all this stuff that we are now a product that people can use. So number one piece of advice is if you are a PhD level scientist, find a co-founder that has business experience um, because not, not that... I'm sorry, you can't do it yourself. <laughs> Investors won't do it. <laughs> you know, you, you need that, you know, to grow your business um, and to get funding. So great advice. So good. I love it. Well, thanks, Amy, so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Amy Beckley, founder and CEO of Prove. Don't forget to use our exclusive Femtech Focus promo code for 20% off your Prove purchase. Just go to provetest.com and use promo code Femtech for 20% off. That's provetest, P-R-O-O-V test.com, promo code Femtech. Alrighty, Fem fans, don't forget to join our new virtual community and become a Fem Pro member for only $14.99 a month to access our Femtech databases, Femtech Jobs Board, and Femtech Institute, the first and only DIY Femtech Accelerator. Please consider supporting Femtech Focus by giving the show a five-star review, becoming a monthly donor to our organization, and subscribing to our newsletter. All of this can be done at femtechfocus.org. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.